Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast. My name is Chess Warren and here we cover everything from the Champions League to the National League and beyond. I'm really happy to say that we are joined by Katie Shanahan of Sky and ITV here today who's just landed back after covering the Lionesses out in Austria. How are you today, Katie? Yeah, really good, thank you. Kind of fresh from landing in Austria. It was a fantastic game, a hard-fought game, I think, for England. It wasn't easy at all, but... They're on the way to the World Cup, delighted for the girls, and they can just build on becoming European champions in the summer and a World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. What a treat that's going to be. Definitely, definitely. I've got to try and start saving up for those tickets now. But lots <laughs> has been going on in the world of women's football this week. Just one week until the start of the WSL season and teams are strengthening their ranks left, right and centre. Firstly, though, we should kick off by talking about that World Cup qualifier that have been taking place over the last few days. England has secured their place at the World Cup through that 2-0 win against Austria. England, with a change starting eleven to their team that opened every one of their games during the Euros, but they managed to keep their momentum with a convincing win. Russo slotted a poacher's goal home in the seventh minute, with her United teammate Nikita Paris firing the Lionesses second in the 69th. Lauren James made her debut appearance for the senior team in this fixture, meaning that alongside her brother Reese, they are the first ever brother and sister duo to both feature for England's senior team. England qualify with nine wins in nine games, scoring 70 goals across those fixtures. Katie, as we said, you were out in Austria for this fixture. How do you think the Lionesses fared against a very familiar opponent? I think despite the 2-0 scoreline, it was actually not straightforward for England, I think Austria's high press caught England out. Alessia Russo's opener was was brilliant and well taken. It was quite an awkward angle, but obviously sent the goalkeeper the other way. Nikita Paris obviously then confirming qualification for the World Cup. And what a finish by her. Her first England goal in a year. And I spoke to her afterwards and she was just over the moon, you know, like you just said there, Chess, both United teammates. And I think for, for strikers, it's really... Um, useful to obviously get a goal when it's been so long and to score in such a fashion. She nearly had another as well. So England had to be patient. It was a bit of a shaky start, um, but they got the job done and they're off to the World Cup. You talk about strikers there. With the retirement of Ellen White after the Euros, it was a bit of a worry as to whether a big hole had been left in that number nine shirt. Do you think Russo has stepped up to the challenge or do you think it's too soon to tell? I think she certainly stepped up to the challenge, especially after the Euros and the famous back heel that she's now very well known of. She's a household name. And I actually put the question to Serena before the game, saying, is she ready to take that chance? Because Alessia obviously started in instead of Ellen White following her retirement. And Serena said, yeah, she's ready. She's um, willing to kind of take on that role. But um, she's also just said this morning in the press conference that what with the retirements of Ellen White and Jill Scott, she'll... She's kind of putting the task to the players to be like, right, who's ready to step up? Who's ready to fill in um, those holes within the England squad? So I think with Russo, she's physical. She's unpredictable. She's got now nine goals in 14. She's a natural goal scorer. And I think in the last year, we've really shown how her confidence has grown. But she's got the perfect role model. Those are the words that she said to me after the game, following the footsteps of Ellen White, England's all-time record goal scorer. So... She she knows how it's how it's meant to be done. She's kind of been following Ellen White all this way. And for Serena, she's now got a striker ready to go. So it should be an easy transition. 
do you think there's a worry for complacency for this England team as they're being so decisive under Serena? They're yet to lose a match. Do you think that we're going to see that kind of come to a head in their game against the USA? I think Serena wouldn't let complacency happen at all. I don't think she's the kind of manager to let that happen. Even, you know, being a former international hockey player, having played for England hockey for five years, there can be cliques within groups. So whether it's, you know, people clique off into their into each of their clubs or something like that, or the Euro winning team becoming more cliquey, actually speaking to a number of people within the camp, they just don't think that this England squad would let that happen or Serena would let the complacency or the cliqueiness happen within this England group. And what I've seen going to England camp recently is there's everyone just seems to be having a really good time there's a real togetherness it's a really special group there's a belief and actually the players really welcome the likes of Lauren James Ebony Salmon uh, Sandy um, McKeever into the squad and they want them to feel welcome and I think that's the difference with this team uh, Nikita Paris told me after the game you know they're hungry for more they've won the Euros after such a long wait now with a World Cup on the horizon you just think could it be? Could we all dream what, what could happen? And obviously them qualifying for the World Cup is just the first step on that journey. So they've got full trust in Serena and the whole of the nation backing them. So let's see what happens. Yeah, definitely. And that one kind of last World Cup qualifier is on Tuesday against Luxembourg. Can they do it in a cold, rainy night in Stoke on a Tuesday, as the saying always goes? Do you think we're going to see the kind of ruthless take against this Luxembourg side? Or are we going to see Serena try something a little bit new? play the young'uns maybe. You'd hope that she would experiment in this game. They've qualified for the World Cup. Obviously, they want to put on a show in front of a sellout crowd. But it's Luxembourg. They're ranked 113 places below England. Serena has just said in her press conference just there, they're hoping for lots of goals. They want to maintain possession at the most of times. They beat them 10-0 last time, didn't they? So we're going to expect a high scoreline at home. The homecoming after winning the Euros. But it was interesting because Serena then drew on the kind of background to these World Cup qualifying um, teams, the lower ranked teams, whereby a high scoreline, she says, is good, but not all the time. And it comes down to, and I know we'll talk about it in a little bit about, you know, do we going forwards need to really think about um, the system where teams qualify for the World Cup? Does it need rearranging do we need to reshuffle these these kind of teams around so I think for tomorrow yes it's against a lower ranked team but expect changes hopefully Lauren James Ebony Salmon you'd hope that they would feature would we will we have a change in, in goalkeeper Mary Earps maybe give her a rest after a busy summer bring in the likes of uh, Ellie Roebuck or Sandy McKeever give them a chance especially in front of a great atmosphere at Stoke so I reckon expect changes expect a big High score line and uh, a massive occasion in front of another sellout crowd here in England. Talking about big crowds elsewhere, Wales are one step closer to a grailed playoff spot as they beat Greece 1-0 with a first senior goal for Leicester City loney Carrie Jones. They now need to pick up one point against Slovenia in their next game to make it to the playoffs. They've sold over 10,000 tickets for it and if everyone shows up, it'll be the most attended women's football game um, for the Wales women's team. Um, Scotland made it in 2019 to the World Cup finals. Do you think it's realistic that another home nation will be able to qualify alongside England? 
Uh, absolutely, anything's possible. Um, having looked at the tables this morning, Wales and Scotland both sit second in their World Cup qualifying groups. So they both absolutely have a chance. They can reach the playoffs. Um, Northern Ireland are in third, so they're behind England and Austria, so they can't qualify. But as for Wales and Scotland, it's all to play for. And what a prospect that's going to be to reach the playoffs and then a World Cup and then having seen England win the Euros that you just hope that we can have another couple of home nations to join England in the World Cup because that would just make this whole experience so much better. So yeah, Wales and Scotland all to play for, but they've got to turn up on the night and get the job done. But it's it's theirs for the taking. Completely, completely. I mean, the men for Wales have just qualified for a World Cup, so I'm sure the women can, can do the same. Elsewhere though, Ireland secured a playoff place for the first time ever due to a 1-0 win over Finland. A header from London City Lioness player Lily Ag was all that separated the two sides who are battling it out throughout this fixture for that coveted playoff spot. Manager Vera Poor said that it felt like the whole of Ireland was behind us and that the fixture was an absolute team performance. But Aston Villa and Ireland player Rusha Littlejohn pointed out that after the fixture, although she was happy with the result, there was still a long way to go to get to the World Cup itself, pointing out the long and convoluted playoff system. This must be a positive step for Ireland, though. Do you think they have what it takes to reach the World Cup finals? Absolutely. I think they've shown that in the qualifying campaign. Yes, they lost to Sweden, but they're one of the best in the world. But they beat Finland, Slovakia and Georgia. And Ireland will want to reach the World Cup, like we've been speaking about before. Um, Joining England in Australia, New Zealand also is, by the way, a great... (laughs) A great place to go and enjoy a World Cup. And Ireland is so close. So you just hope that they can get it over the line. And um, yeah, just get the job done on the night. And just settle the nerves. There's going to be a lot of nerves before that game. They've got to really, you know, bring themselves together and be like, right, here we go. One last one last push. Let's get ourselves to the World Cup. And what a story that will be, not only for Ireland, but also for the women's game in general. And just showing kind of the progression that's been made over these past couple of decades. Yeah, especially with the increase in investment in the Irish game um, by the FA in Ireland, I think would be incredibly impressive to see them reach that point. But do you think Little John does have a point? Should there be an expansion of the World Cup or simply an overhaul of the qualification system to make it easier for teams to get into the tournament? Or do we need to stay in the way that it happens now? I think it definitely needs to be looked at the whole process in terms of qualifying for the World Cup. England, for example, shouldn't be playing a team 113 places below them. So there needs to be a better ranking structure. So the lower teams kind of maybe play each other to qualify to get to the next stage. And then once you've reached that level of a higher ranking, then though then you're able to play the higher ranked teams. And therefore it would mean that the competition is higher to therefore qualify because at the end of the day, it's it's not these high score lines like Serena said, it's good, okay, once or twice, but no one wants to be watching England v Latvia 20 nil because it's, it's just not a good story of the game. And I think maybe scorelines like that uh, therefore um, highlight the process and how these need to be looked into. So I think a ranking structure um, should really be looked at and the whole process where the lower ranked teams play each other first, the winners of that go high into the next bracket or the next groups. And then that's where the likes of England, Germany, France, Spain then come into the qualifying field and that, that then it will be just a better process overall and it would be better competition. It'll be better for players and managers and for everyone watching at home as well. So yeah, absolutely. The process 
These score lines have just highlighted that the process definitely needs to be looked at. Looking domestically, it's now time to talk about transfers. But we won't be going into depth into every single club today as we'd be here and from now until when the season starts. But we're going to start by talking about the new kids on the block, Liverpool. Liverpool are a team that have just been promoted from the Championship, rejoining the WSL for the first time since their relegation in the 2019-2020 season. Their manager is experienced ex-West Ham gaffer and WSL winner with Liverpool, Matt Beard. They've bolstered their squad last season with the likes of Katie Stengel and won the league with a convincing 52 points, only losing twice during the entire campaign. Over the summer, they've recruited... Emma Coivisto from Bristol, ex-Hammers player Jilly Flatty, keeper Arthur Cummings from Charlton and Dutch international Shanice van der Sanden. Do you think that this recruitment will suffice to keep them competing in the WSL? I think they've had a good um, a good transfer window so far. Obviously, we've still got a couple of days to go until it until it closes. But they've had good signings. Uh, Jilly Flatty obviously offers that experience from West Ham. Emma Kiel Viso is great, uh, 1v1, especially in that wing-back position and provides that attacking flair that, that Liverpool can can look for. Also, you've got Eartha Cummings, goalkeeping coach, I believe. Joe Potts was really the one that wanted her and pushed for Matt to get her this, this window. And then you've also got the likes of Shanice van der Sanden. Obviously, this is her second spell back at the club, slotted in really, really quickly, you would hope. But the Dutch winger, is she's got great experience. She's obviously won three Champions League titles titles two French titles as well so she offers that experience that you really need in the WSL for those big games you know how to hold the uh, like time waste a little more or maybe grind out those results in those big games against the top teams and um, I think that's that's what they'll need they need that experience and um, that leadership within the side as well so those signings I think are really good for Liverpool and you would hope um, other players can just take their game to the next level as well this season, especially in the WSL and the, the competitive nature that, that the league offers. Completely. Just before we recorded this, um, Leanne Kiernan re-signed a new contract to stay at the club, a player who's played alongside the managerial prowess of Matt Beard for a long time now. But what excites you about this Liverpool squad? Probably Leanne Kiernan, actually. I mean, obviously the whole squad, what with these new signings coming in, but I think she's been such a prolific player for Liverpool, obviously player of the season. And I'll be interested to see, you know, how she progresses in the WSL with Liverpool. You know, she's just, as you mentioned there, signed a new deal uh, this morning. Matt Beard saying that they were actually keen to extend her contract because it was coming into the final year. Physically, he says she's in the best physical condition that he's ever seen. And obviously he's seen her play for many years now. And she played such a key role last season, helping them win the championship title, being promoted back to the WSL and going on that famous 20-game unbeaten run. But as 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 a forward herself, you know, scoring 13 goals, she's still so young. And it'll be interesting to see how she fares when coming up against the best defenders in the world, the likes of, you know, Chelsea bringing in Kadisha Buchanan as well from Canada up against the best of the best that's when you really can tell where a player is at in their career and obviously if it'll be great if Republic of Ireland qualify for the World Cup as well she'd get more more experience from that and then she can bring that back into her game at Liverpool so I think it's a really exciting time for Liverpool as a club in general but also I'm just interested to see how much she can progress because I think she's got great potential for club and country. 
They've played six friendlies in the run-up to the start of the season. Two of these fixtures of note are the 5-0 win against Matt Beard's old side West Ham and a 1-1 draw with Conti Cup and prolific top three resider Manchester City. Although this is obviously pre-season and teams may be trying new things and not putting out their best eleven, but those results, especially the one against West Ham, seem like a statement of intent. Do you think this is a premonition of what's to come for this Liverpool side? Do you think they're going to solidify themselves as a mid-to-top table team? Yeah, well, I think the thing for Matt Beard will be just to make sure they stay up this season and compete. And like you say, you know, don't get too far ahead of themselves, but make sure they stay up within this league. You know, they've done good business. They brought in good signings, but they also need to avoid injuries to key players like Leanne we were talking about just moments ago. And they need to grow from here. And their business night might not be done yet. Obviously, we've got a couple of days until the transfer window closes. So where will they strengthen? Do they feel as though they've they've done all the business they need? But, um, you know, Matt Beard might want to sign a couple more. But I think in terms of Liverpool and the, and the results that they've already got, it's really promising. It's a great start to the season. And that's what's really key for these WSL teams. They'll want to get off to a great start. That'll give them confidence. It'll give them momentum. And then they can push on from here. So Liverpool, yeah, definitely a team to watch and a team I'm looking forward to seeing throughout this WSL campaign. West Ham are the team that have got the most players this window. There's 11 in total at the time of recording. They've got a new captain in the form of a long-term West Ham fan and Icelandic international Dagmi Briansdottir. And they've also got a new manager, Paul Koncheski, who was Oli Harder's assistant manager last season before he left to go across the pond. Oli Harder seemed to have got West Ham into a kind of consistent position last season. Although they struggled to take points from the top three teams, they proved tricky for teams like United and Spurs. Have some of that. Do you think they're going to struggle under new management? I don't think so because he's been in in and around the girls before. So Paul Koncheski will have learned loads under Oli Harder. You know, what works, what doesn't work. He's a familiar face. He'll know the girls he'll also be in a routine of like their system what works what the girls respond well to but he'll also be keen to build on the strengths and the weaknesses that that happened last season they had a good season they finished sixth with the highest ever points tally in the WSL for them they'll want to improve on that and also think about their tactics against the big clubs signing should help they've obviously like you just said their chess made a lot 11 sometimes obviously that can be really good but if there's so many it just takes maybe a little longer for them to settle in and for them to gel but you'd hope that they could settle in quickly with especially some of those names that they brought in he's also a former hammer as well so 70 appearances for the club so the passion from within Paul will be so natural and will he will just want the club and the girls to do really well so I think yeah I'm excited for West Ham what they'll bring Good transfer window, lots of signings. So yeah, bring it on. Talking about lots of signings, but they've recruited widely. Do you think they have enough calibre to kind of complete, compete and deal with those teams, especially in the top three, but also be consistent throughout the season? Yeah, I think consistency is so key with the WSL and also making sure that you don't have injuries to key players. West Ham, you know, can they push for... The top three, you'd hope so. They've made good signings. They've obviously got a new manager. How quickly will he adapt and gel with the squad? Bearing in mind he's kind of been in and around the camp, you'd think 
yeah, this should this should get off to a good start. Uh, they've got tough games coming up, but if they can get off to a promising start to their campaign and just build their confidence, their momentum, and make sure, you know, like we were talking about the England squad having the likes of Lauren James, Ebony Salmon coming into the frame, it's same at club level. They need to make sure everyone feels really welcome from the get-go, do extra bonding sessions as much as they can, and make sure it's a real together team because that's what brings success, you know, a team performance, a team kind of atmosphere and everyone wanting to play for the club and, you know, put in the extra yards, put in the extra training and also, you know, put in the extra effort for a new manager that everyone will just be kind of getting used to, especially those new signings. So I think West Ham do have the calibre to compete, but obviously the top teams... Um, interesting, you know, loads of storylines for each one of those. But with the likes of Chelsea just strengthening and getting even stronger and stronger and Arsenal bringing in, you know, key signings and Man City, well, that's an interesting kind of the fallout of loads of their players leaving, but also the exciting signings they've got coming in. So every team has a different story. But as for West Ham, I think they've got the calibre to compete. They just need to, you know, make sure everyone's settled and can be ready to go straight away at the start of the season. Yeah, you talk about calibre there the whole time. You mentioned Chelsea. They have had an extensive kind of overhaul of players this this season in the sense of getting in talent. They've cast their net wide for talent this summer. French international Yves Perisset, gold medal winning Kadisha Buchanan, who you mentioned before. An exciting Serb international Yelena Kankovic, just to name a few. When you look at Emma Hayes' squad now, they have strong squad depth in all areas across the pitch. Do you think it's realistic that any other WSL team can compete now, especially when teams like Arsenal, I think, have only brought in two players throughout this entire window? It's a good question. I mean, Chelsea just getting better and better. I do quite a lot of work with Chelsea and have done for many years. And their their squad and team around Emma Hayes that she's built over the last decade has just been fantastic and Emma Hayes is a brilliant coach that we you know one of the best if not the best in the world alongside Serena of course but um I think Chelsea you know they're on another level and it's whether like you say the others can they can compete it's whether they can challenge for the title I think that's that's the difference with Man United obviously their signings um, they, they've got the Spanish forward Lucia Garcia, who Mark Skinner says is electric. They've got Maya Letizia in defence, but obviously you've got the prolific duo of Alessia Russo and Ella Toon, who have become household names from the Euro. So that's that's a really strong contingent at United. As for City, obviously they've had so many key England players leave, but they brought in some really exciting talent. Laya Alexandri, who I remember watching at training and, and with the Spanish squad during the Euros quite a lot. Um, a really exciting defender from Atletico Madrid. How quickly is she going to adapt into the Man City lineup? And then Mary Fowler, the 19-year-old Australian forward, um, is also probably going to, you know, do a bit of a Sam Kerr on all of us and, and score lots of goals in the WSL. Five goals in 15 appearances for Montpellier. So she's definitely one to watch. Arsenal, you've mentioned their chess. You know, just a couple of signings. But I'm really pleased for Arsenal that they brought in Swedish forward Lena, Lena Hertig from Juventus. I remember watching her at the Euros and she is so good. And uh, I'm just excited to see her in the in the WSL. And, and the fact that we're bringing all this world-class talent from the global stage and in these international tournaments that we learn so much about to the WSL for everyone over here in England to enjoy. So lots of teams have strengthened, but it'll be interesting to see how those signings 
settle in, who will be most consistent, who will keep injury free over the course of the season. And if that happens, you know, Chelsea might slip up. They might have injuries. They might, you know, have things that happen um, over the course of the season. It's then whether the other team can really pounce on that opportunity and, and make sure that they drop points. It's not just the WSL that these teams are competing for as well, especially the top the top three sides, um, especially with the rumour of Grace Gioro being signed at Chelsea. Do you think the Champions League will be the main aim for them this season? Or do you think they're still a way away from hitting the heights consistently that Barcelona and Lyon do continue to do? Chelsea got so close, didn't they? So I think winning the Champions League will be their main focus. Uh, winning the WSL three times... They've absolutely shown that they are one of the best teams in the world. They just need to prove it on the, you know, Champions League stage. That They're ready to make that next step. Emma is so hungry for a Champions League title. It's the only trophy she's not won with Chelsea. She's got the squad to achieve that. These new signings. I mean, Kadisha Buchanan is just a fantastic player. I'm really excited to see how she's going to partner up with Millie Bryce at the back, you know, because for any forward charging through, those are two centre-backs you do not want to be coming up against. But after Chelsea's 4-0 defeat to Barcelona in the final, Chelsea will be so hungry to put that right and make sure that never happens again. But also the exciting backdrop of attendances within the Champions League. 91,000 at the new Camp. Imagine, you know, Chelsea being able to come against Barcelona at the new Camp in front of 91,000 or if we can get higher, you know, higher than that or at other stadiums or whatever. That that would be really exciting. And I just hope that, you know, it's, it's a bit of a Chelsea or Man City within the men's game in terms of Champions League. You just want Chelsea to be able to lift the Champions League title under Emma Hayes because I think they're ready and they just need to prove it now. Completely. They just need to prove that they can be decisive and they can do it. Across the WSL in general, though, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What one transfer are you most excited to see? Well, you can probably guess because I've mentioned her name about three or four times now. Uh, Kadisha Buchanan from Canada. She's a serial winner. She is world class, former Ballon d'Or nominee. And I remember watching her at the Arnold Clark Cup and just thinking, wow, that is, she is such a good player. Always you know, making the right calls and those those big decisions and those big moments is where the world-class players really come to the fore and you're like, right, that's... Because that, that's the hardest bit, really, within football or that's what I found as an international hockey player and we always... The ones that would make the right decisions in those clinical moments would be the ones that had just that extra edge. But, you know, she's she's also won so many titles so she, she has kind of got that winning mentality steeped within her to bring into this... Uh, Chelsea squad won the Champions League five times obviously that's really handy if they want to go and win the Champions League and she herself has said European glory is her sole purpose when she's come to Chelsea so uh, Emma Hayes you know has she brought in Kadisha Buchanan you know like Pep Guardiola has brought in Erling Haaland to win him the Champions League so um, I think I mean, I'll be really I'm really excited to see the partnership with Millie Bright, but I'm also excited to see how Kadisha Buchanan adopts um, and adapts to the WSL because Emma Hayes believes that she can be the best defender in the world and what a better stage to do it in the WSL and in the Champions League. And also I've, I've been reading that she'll be the first player to wear the number 26 shirt after John Terry retired, which I think was also a nice touch. So 
Kadisha Buchanan is the one player I would be keeping all my eyes on. And I just, yeah, hope that she does really well for Chelsea this season. So teams at the top of the table have um, have strengthened their ranks and teams lower down also have as well. Aston Villa, for one, has done quite a lot of prolific recruiting this season with the likes of Rachel Daly coming in. But which team are you most worried about in this window? You're probably going to be surprised when I say this, but I actually think Manchester City. Now, the only reason I'm saying that is because of the amount of players that left and it just seems a bit all chaotic at Man City. And why are they why they're leaving? You know, obviously, are they going to get better experience overseas or is there a kind of a bigger picture or what's going on at Manchester City so that so many players have left and also it's not over yet we've got a couple of days left of the transfer window already we've seen key players go abroad like Lucy Bronze to Barcelona Georgia Stanway to Bayern Munich obviously Ellen White has retired Caroline Weir obviously knocked them out didn't they when she she scored the winner for Real Madrid and Kira Walsh even today in the England presser wasn't revealing what her future was at Manchester City so that's quite a lot of key players from your starting eleven all leaving at once. So, you know, I'm, I'm quite interested to see why. Is it just because they want to go abroad? And, you know, why wouldn't you, you know, to get better experience? But at the same time, it just seems like a lot of players have left all at the same time. Just it would be quite interesting to find out, you know, the real what's going on there. But obviously they have brought in two great players, Mary Fowler and Laia Alexandri, the Spanish defender from Atletico Madrid. And obviously it's Manchester City. So, you know, am I really worried about, you know, how they're really going to do in this league? It's more kind of what's going on there. There's a lot of players that, that have left, you know, why all at the same time? So in terms of West Ham bringing in 11, you know, you've also got Manchester City losing so many players. Both, you know, it's going to take a while to figure out and become consistent and stable. So Man City is probably not one I'm like overly, overly worried about, but one I'm going to be keeping my eye on. Yeah. I'd be interested to see if there is still that that race for top three for the kind of big four clubs, if you include Manchester United within that, seeing how they kind of fare against each other. But in other news, it was announced that Karen Carney will chair a review of women's football in England. The review will chiefly look at the audience reach and growth the financial health of the game and its long-term financial sustainability and existing structures within the game. How do you think the results of this report will be used? Well, first of all, I couldn't think of a better person to chair this review. I've been talking to Karen over the weekend and I think she's really brave and she's going to do an excellent job. But I think the review will help because once we've got the information there, it'll be easy to know where to improve, how to grow the game, and it'll just be a good starting point to then kick on from there. Well, then the review can look into participation from the grassroots to the elite level, where better facilities need to be provided, how to expand the fan base, and also look at the gap for prize money. And then I'm sure we can look into, you know, the kind of go, go deeper into the infrastructure in the women's game and also the financial sustainability of, of how we're going to grow the game going forwards and the realistic aims as well. So I think absolutely fair play to Karen for, for kind of pushing on with this review. It's going to be very difficult, but it's going to be um, really insightful for everyone within the women's game that wants to capitalise on this moment of England winning the Euros. And let's just hope that this review can just shine a light on how we grow the women's game and just push on from here. Completely. And this goes over for all areas of women's football in, in the UK, not just the WSL. So on that note, even though there were no championship fixtures this week, we have fixtures in the National League. Wolves are the new leaders of the National League Northern Premier Division after a 4-0 win over Loughborough Lightning. 
Katie Johnson scored twice in front of a crowd of 484 people. They dethroned Burnley, whose 100% record was ended in an injury-time Huddersfield equaliser in a thrilling 3-3 draw. Laura Elford headed home a last gasp goal. Nottingham Forest still have their perfect record intact after a 2-0 win over Liverpool Feds. However, they are a game behind everyone else, so are only third in the table. Amy Sims scored a hat-trick in Derby's 6-0 win over Boldermere St Michael's. Meg Boyer's early goal was enough for Stoke to beat Brighouse Town 1-0, while West Brom against Fylde finished goalless. Oxford United are top of the Southern Premier Division, with a flawless record of four wins from four with no goals conceded. That comes after a 5-0 win over newly promoted Cheltenham. Portsmouth are second, but dropped their first points of the season in a 2-2 draw with Gillingham. Pompey had led 2-0, but the Jills scored twice in the last 15 minutes to pull level. Billericay Town survived a second-half red card in their first league win since promotion. They beat MK Dons 2-1. London Bees won 2-1 at Plymouth, who are now bottom of the table, having lost all four of their matches this season. Crawley Wasps are second from the bottom after a 1-1 draw with Bridgewater United. League action pauses this weekend for the first phase of the League Cup with the winners progressing into the latter rounds, with the losers joining the FAWNL plate. Pick of the fixtures sees AFC Bournemouth, top of Division 1 South West, take on the Southern Premier leaders Oxford. Norwich City, also from Tier 4, will look forward to their trip to Watford. And that's all we have time for for today. Thank you very much to Katie for joining us. Where can they find you, Katie, on social media? So I am at katieshanahan3 on Twitter, and Instagram also got a Facebook page so yeah um and obviously we are on ITV on the main channel England v Luxembourg uh, it's seven o'clock on air and I'll be doing on the pre-match and post-match interviews and uh, we've also got some exciting things happening in the show as well so yeah seven o'clock on ITV uh tomorrow night for England v Luxembourg at a sellout Stoke uh, City Stadium Brilliant. I can't wait to watch that. We're going to be hosting a Twitter Spaces on Thursday evening with Madison Taylor. So join us from 8pm and it's a chance for you guys to all listening to give your thoughts on the transfers and everything that's gone on so far this season. Also, as always, follow us on Twitter at TWFP1 and on Instagram at the Women's Football Podcast. Thank you very much, everyone, and have a great week.